Census dictated that women were largely responsible for their own fate at the hands of men, no matter the circumstance. And career girls' newfound urban independence could come at a cost. The new freedom Johnson discussed was thoroughly interrogated by the media and other public figures, including Janice Wiley's father, Max. In 1964, Max Wiley, a novelist, published Career Girl, Watch Your Step a book filled with instructions and advice for, presumably, girls like his daughter, who were making their way in the big city without the protection of men. In the aftermath of the murders, the Times kept a close eye on the case and its effects on Wiley and Hoffert's neighbors. Some 1,000 tips were called into the police, but no arrests were made for months, further stoking fears that the killer was still at large. The NYPD also released a pamphlet on self-defense and safety for young women called A Message to Women and set up extra phone hotlines for women to report threats and sexual assaults. This increased interest in women's safety helped to highlight the everyday aggression that women faced in the city. But the effort had a few blind spots. It put the onus of prevention on the women themselves instead of on men or law enforcement and campaigns to end the violence and harassment of women were largely limited to those young white women whose circumstances were similar to Hofford and Wiley's. In contrast to the career girls' murders, New York media didn't pay the same level of attention to violent crimes against poor women of color. This was especially evident when comparing the coverage of Hoffert and Wiley with the two other crimes that Whitmore confessed to the attempted rape of Elba Barrero, and the murder of Minnie Edmonds, both women of color from Brooklyn. When The New Yorker reported on the ongoing case in 1969, the distinction between the career girls and Barrero and Edmonds was made very clear. This killing was also a brutal one, the article stated of Edmonds' death. But the social position of the victim, Mrs. Edmonds, was a Negro day worker, and the site of the crime, Brownsville, a dismal slum, ensured that it would receive very little public attention. In contrast, newspapers fixated on career girls for years, focusing on violent crimes against young white women in classy neighborhoods as crime rates rose in New York. This approach, says Johnson, further fanned the flames of racial tension in the city. As many white conservatives conflated a rise in crime with a rise in crimes perpetrated by people of color against white people and called for harsher punishments as a result. As it turned out, Whitmore wasn't the killer. He eventually recanted his confession, and the case became an important part of legal history when detectives' unjustified arrest and coercion was used as an example in the Supreme Court case that led to mandated Miranda warnings. Police detectives ignored the holes in Whitmore's story, including his whereabouts on the day of the murders and his knowledge of the attack. Despite the issues surrounding the investigation, Whitmore spent months in prison for the crimes until another man, Richard Robles, confessed in 1965, telling police that he killed the women during a robbery gone wrong. Robles was ultimately convicted, but not before Whitmore had served time for a crime he didn't commit. As Hoffert and Wiley's deaths have come to represent a cultural flashpoint for the treatment of working women by media and law enforcement, the investigation of George Whitmore has also served as a cautionary tale for what can happen to disadvantaged suspects caught in the eye of the storm.
For Whitmore, a teenager with reported intellectual disabilities, being a suspect led to forced confessions and jail time, even after Robles came forward. Even as Whitmore's story contributed to the Miranda rights law, the officers who beat, coerced, and withheld evidence from him were not convicted of any wrongdoing. Further, the late 1960s brought Richard Nixon's harsh law and order approach to policing, which disproportionately affected poor people of color when it came to conviction and incarceration. Hoffert and Wiley came to represent the dangers that women could face if they tried to have careers in the big, bad city. The combination of danger and glamour was irresistible for the media, particularly given the girls' class positions and the gruesome nature of their deaths. In Talisa's article on August 31, an astute New Yorker told him that the attention paid to the crimes was purely a result of the victim's social status.